Today on the pod, we are going to be reviewing Angel Has Fallen. We've got Zoe back with us again. She's going to be reviewing Cruel. I sit down and talk to Jackie Malton, who is the host of The Real Prime Suspect, a new TV show coming up very soon. If you like your true crime, it's absolutely incredible, that sort of stuff. And finally, me and John talk about all the news that has happened over the last week and a fictional apocalyptic world of Nigel Farage hosting a Disney Plus-like service. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. John Crick, how you doing, my boy? I'm very good. How are you, Flinty? Ah, oh, mate, it has been a long week. Uh, apologies, this is slightly de- a bit more delayed than uh, I said it was from our extra pod we done a few days ago. The reason why is because we've got an interview that was embargoed until today. Really looking forward to talk about that later. But I'll tell you what, John, before we crack on the first review, I've got to say, I started binging Dark Crystal Age Resistance. I am so happy this art form has come back into the pop culture zeitgeist. Did you ever watch, like... Like I, I called it Tim Henson like a couple of weeks ago. No, that's not Tim. Tim Henson, <laughs> the actor. Jim Henson's character creations. Did you ever watch that sort of stuff growing up? I a little bit, yeah. Obviously, uh, the Muppets uh, was the main one, but I I wasn't massively into the Dark Crystal or the or even Labyrinth. I mean, people will probably lambast me for that, but um, but yeah, it's great to see it make a return in the last few years, isn't it? Because it's mm. there's so much there. And there's such an audience waiting for to enjoy it. So, what did you think, anyway? Oh, I'm I'm loving it. I really am. Uh, there's something so nostalgic about it. Do you ever watch the Riddlers? Do you remember watching that when you were a kid? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it just reminds me of that TV show. I think it's just because the puppets kind of look very similar to the puppets uh. in this. But um, but yeah, it's great. The cast is absolutely phenomenal. Taron Egerton is such a good actor. Just an all round great actor he does his voice talents in this he is great mark hamill is just ah it's just there's so much to like about this show and my wife though is not a fan she just went now it's bollocks in it and then didn't want to watch it anymore (laughs) but uh, i generally loving it so far very anyway what are you watching at the moment sorry before we go off what are you watching well i finished mindhunter series two you'll be glad to hear and a binge oh it's it's a it's a somber binge is how i would describe it but it's really, really good. It sort of got billed as like, oh, Charles Manson's in this one. But he's he really only appears in one episode. Um, but they actually focus on uh, sort of... It's, again, it's like true crime, dramatised. So it's uh, the Atlanta murders, which I didn't know anything about back in the 70s. But it's fascinating because uh, at first you kind of think, well, there's not much going on here. It's very psychological. But then you realise, well, it's all actual... Uh, you know, quite based on truth, so it it becomes really, really interesting. Um, Mind Hunter, really solid show. I re- highly recommend anyone who wants to get their teeth into something. You might need a little bit of comedy afterwards to, uh, <laughs> you know, dry the uh, murkiness off. I've I've revisited season one because I only got about halfway through, as you know, and I was just like, ah, oh, this is too. Don't get me wrong, like I I appreciate it. But I could admire it from afar, which means I don't have to actually keep watching it because it is a little bit too slow burner for me. But I went back through the lens of just just absorb what you're seeing and don't expect any big action scenes. And I've got something really enjoying it again. Mm. So I am and really looking forward to getting into season two. Do you remember Rachel from The Office? I think it's Rachel. The, Tim's girlfriend. Yes. Kind of yes. blonde, curly head. She is in it. And I haven't seen her in anything since The Office, I'm sure, in like 19 years. But she is the uh, Bill, Bill's husband, the older do, older cop's husband, uh, older cop's wife, sorry. Um, mm. And that just blew my mind because I've watched the two series without realising that. And then I saw something. I was like, oh, my. She's a great actor. So uh, I love it when you see those little, you're like, oh, they do act, you know. They weren't just <laughs> in that one thing. Anyway, speaking of which, you know what I find quite funny is that there's quite a few new wave publications doing hot takes on on 
stuff that was part of the zeitgeist pop culture over the last 10 years and giving their hot take on it anyway someone's done a, another a turn of i've watched friends for the first time and it's hot garbage and um, they're getting slammed for it on social media quite a bit is there anything that you can think of which you absolutely adored and then when you actually watch it again years later you think eh, was it that good well I know Ace Ventura Pet Detective, the end of that gets absolutely... <laughs> I mean, it's the most tran- openly transphobic kind of scene in film history. Um, but Ace Ventura is just such a funny film. So, uh, you know, I'm not ready to uh, not ready to give it up. Uh, it kind of bothers me with Friends as well. I mean, it's nit- it's a bit nitpicky and I just... I don't buy it. I don't think it's that that bad and when people i can see like it it wouldn't pass the sort of test now the millennial you know the offense test that (laughs) every show probably has to go through now um but there's something nice about i don't know it's still funny it's still funny maybe i'm just an old man shouting at clouds nah i think have you ever watched it's always sunny in philadelphia uh, I've watched a couple and I can't get into it, but I see so much about it that I need to watch more, obviously, because it's so popular for a reason. So, oh, I so so good, and they deliberately, yeah, they like they go fuck it. If we want to do an episode about a trans person, we're going to do an episode about a trans person. We're going to talk about the Me Too movement. We're going to do it, and I think there's something refreshing about it. Doesn't care how offensive it is because it's kind of in on the joke, if that makes sense. And so when people say to me, oh, Cody's dead, oh, you can't be offensive anymore. You fucking can be. Watch that show. It's won a bunch yeah. of awards. It's in its 14th season. And they've just done it in a really clever way. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's that bad, the outrage. But, you know, social media amplifies you want, all that shit, right? If you want outrage, you should definitely watch Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special, which that's actually what I watched last night. I mean, it's... The, it's the most un-PC stand-up I've seen in a long while, but it's fucking hilarious. I, I don't usually... I'm not a massive fan of Chappelle, but um, I watched it because I saw people getting offended by it, and you know, you're like, well, okay, thanks for the recommendation. So I wanted to see, like, okay, go on then. I'm very hard to offend. Go on then, see if you offend me. It, I mean, it's pretty... It's on the nose, but it's so funny. Um I'd, I'd be interested to see what people think, but um, I thought it was really good. So there's an a- outrageous recommendation from Desco. We well, let's move on to our first outrageous recommendation. Let's go have our first review. There's been an assassination attempt on the president. Mike Bannon, you're being charged with the attempted murder of the president of the United States. The president's top guardian angel has fallen. Don't you see that I'm being set up? Angel Has Fallen is the third movie in the Mike Banning trilogy uh, following Olympus Has Fallen, London Has Fallen and this film started in many different incarnations on the page in fact it was originally dubbed as the Air Force One of the Mike Banning trilogy it was going to be set on the President's plane but then when they were going through the script writing process they basically were like you know what they've done it the film's been done and everything we're doing is just copying that so let's try and steer away from that so the angel in question is no longer the airplane it's actually mike banning himself the angel has fallen the guardian protector of the president won't go into spoiler details but it's pretty obvious from the trailer essentially what has happened is that mike was on uh, patrol protecting the president a terrorist attack happens the president is presumed dead and Mike Banning has taken the fall and he is on the land trying to clear his name and he recruits some friends, he recruits a strange father who is played by some Hollywood royalty in this and it's yeah, it's what you see is what you get. John, I've got to be honest, this is the first film to ever give me tinnitus. What was your initial yeah. take on this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we went in there, we were sat prime position but oh my lord this was the loudest movie and i know it's loud anyway and we sound like old men but this i don't know if it's the edit or the cinema but fucking hell i had to put my fingers in the ears you know when you knew an explosion was coming of course of which there were many so yeah first things first what is going on with that hopefully it's just the cinema being kind of idiots but uh yeah. it was and i saw a lot of people around me older people who didn't seem to care so i was like what 
the fuck's going on with my ears then? But um, yeah, so that's the first thing to note. <laughs> it generally felt like they were like, okay, this is this is potentially the last Has Fallen movie and we want to go out with a bang, quite fucking <laughs> literally. And every gunshot was just like the audio was so turned up, the gain and the treble was so at odds with each other that it was literally, it felt like you were being smacked around the face. And there was a lot of gunshots in this film. Um, essentially, what the, the premise of this film really is, though, is about what happens to the action hero when he gets a bit too old, when they no longer can sling it like they used to. And if you think about the first two films, I'm not going to try and do an in-depth film Twitter hot take on this. Basically, the first two films are gory action for action's sake cheesy one-liners with classic lines of why don't we play a game of fuck off you first and stuff like that you get you know it's basically meant to be popcorn cheesy flick this third movie they've really tried to find something more in terms of character development with mike bannon really at odds with the tone of the previous two films one of the things that they definitely have steered away from is the cultural inappropriation borderline racism of the terrorists in question in each of the films with korea or russia and all that sort of stuff they're trying to be a little bit more they've dialed that down a little bit and tried to make that more of the the closest enemy is the one at home and watch out because there's always something satire and political about what we're trying to get at here it felt like it might have had a few ideas above its station from that perspective. And also, there's no one-liners in this. In fact, all Mike does is just say fuck a lot. Yeah. They should have a little <laughs> fuck counter at the bottom, don't they? <laughs> yeah, a lot of fucks, a lot of shits. Um, I mean, that's basically... I'd say he's earning about half a million freaks. Shit! That happens. <laughs> um, it's a shame Donald Trump hasn't got the sort of attention span to watch a whole movie because i think he would really like this it's got <laughs> someone trying to overthrow the president an inept fbi it's got russian collusion it's got all sh- all sorts of shit uh but i mean i think it probably appeals to someone of the level the iq level of of a trump to be honest uh that sounds very uh, <laughs> elitist of me and the audience score on uh, rotten tomatoes is 94 percent and the yes. is thirty nine percent. Have you ever? Is there been a more? I mean, that that's got to be one of the biggest swings between what the reviewers say and what the audience is saying. Look, I'm going to be one hundred percent honest and put my cards on the table. I fucking love Gerard Butler, and I have a blind spot to all of his films. The amount of times I will recommend a Gerard Butler film, and people come back to me and say, "What the hell was that?" So I am going to divert my my authority of giving a score to this to John. But I've got to say, I generally, I actually enjoyed this film, and I enjoyed it not just because it's Gerard Butler, not just because it's Mike Bannon. I think they did try and do something slightly different in terms of the character portrayal. And um, there is something kind of sad about seeing your hero get old and and not being able to cut it like he used to. It never seemed to impact in that much in the film mind but they they did play upon it a little bit there's a few little things that are subtly different like the fact they recast his wife (laughs) they didn't even make a big thing at that Um, he's had a kid no big deal he's got a kid and uh, i think he had a kid in previous films i can't remember i don't really gloss on it that much but the kid's completely different his accent at the start of the film he goes from scottish to american to scottish back to american again and in particular this start the scenes apparently this um was made as they were making it there was quite a few production issues so gerald butler turned up a little bit podgy so they had to try and find ways to creatively hide that and uh, whilst he got himself in decent shape again he is an avid cyclist and he had a accident on his bike which required him to have surgery which meant that he was incapacitated for some of the filming as well so from that perspective like that's amazing i don't think there was any continuity issues that was obvious other than maybe the odd accent um, from that perspective so that's kind of cool they got Nick Nolte to play his father who has the most grimliest voice ever and I, I hearing that in treble yeah, C60 yeah. <laughs> I would have fucking loved it if they got C60 <laughs> the only thing is yeah. is that these films tend to they, once they've done everything with a character they always go oh let's strip it back let's do some form of parental issue like this isn't this isn't rewriting the rule book to an extent but it is bringing you some new sides to the Mike Manning character. Sorry, the, yeah, the Mike Banning character you may have not seen before. Uh, some other interesting performances in this. Uh, Jada Pickett Smith is in this as well. Um, she's not in it as much as the name suggests. Uh, I think that she probably could have had a bigger role, but they probably tried to cram in a lot with this. 
Danny Houston is in this and he might as well just be called Danny I'm the bad boy Wade Jennings because literally mm-hmm. he walks in he's sinister as fuck and he clearly has a hidden agenda which he <laughs> opens up within the first scene anyway <laughs> Yeah, and he's the bad guy in every other film he's ever fucking been in. So, yeah, that was pretty much pretty obvious there. So, no spoiler alerts there. But, uh, but anyway, John. So, I've I've said all the good things. What are the things you didn't like? All right, one close-ups of people's faces. I mean, I know this is obviously a directing style. There was some. Nearly every scene was just a huge twelve-foot Gerard Butler face, or. All old men as well. It was like staring at your your future, and it was a bit <laughs> disconcerting seeing an old man's face in ultra HD on a huge screen. So I, I didn't really, buy, I didn't really like that style for me. It was a bit, uh, found it a bit nauseating. Like the uh, kind of the sound issues we've already talked about, um, and I mean it had some kind of all right bits. I, the first one though, uh, is it Olympus has fallen? That yeah. really had some funny, bombastic moments, right, where it was not taking itself too seriously. This was kind of not willing to go one way or the other, and it kind of fell flat. I would rather it kind of it, it went a bit silly, like previous iterations, or maybe I was reading too much into the silliness, I don't know, but I just felt like it didn't quite commit one way or the other. Mm, I Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that... It tried to be a mixture of Die Hard, Sicario, The Fugitive, Taken, and it kind of didn't achieve any of those things. And uh, that's a bit of a shame, but um, I, I'll always take uh, a Mike Bannon movie, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, so... I Morgan mean, Freeman's there, though. That was good. <laughs> Morgan's there. He's doing his president jibe. Does a great job, as ever. Um, got to see his face very close up, as as stated. Um, I think, yeah, Morgan keeps it together, but he doesn't do hasn't a, a whole lot to do. They literally uh, but, fridge him. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, I mean, the ineptness is so. I find it really hard to watch these movies because I'm an idiot who can't suspend belief and just enjoy an action movie, right? But I feel like I can enjoy it if it's not taking itself too seriously. But this like i said it was sort of on the edge and it was like this the fbi are kind of represented to be so stupid in this movie um and then there's this whole shady sort of murky terrorist elite group headed up by your man who's always the baddie and it just seemed it seemed just so bombastic and stupid that it was kind of hard to find it funny but it was hard to enjoy it at the same time yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, there's, <laughs> there it, it does suspend disbelief very quickly. In fact, the bad guy's motives were quite weak to begin with, and as soon as the, the jig is up, so to speak, he literally just goes full-on moustache-twirling bad guy. And, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's one guy in it, though, who I've got to give props to, which is essentially there's an underlying plot to all of this, which is Mike's been given a career opportunity, which means he's no longer out in the field. He'll be back behind a desk. And the reason why is because, I'm not going to say what the job is or anything like that, but the reason why the job's become available is because that person who had the job is retiring. But this person is about 40 years younger than everyone else around him, which looks kind of weird anyway, but he has the most epic voice ever. And I I generally think that guy has got the most amazing voice. I really hope he does voiceover work and other stuff, Mm. and I can just listen to his voice all day. Um, So anyway, John, I think we've talked it there. I thought the action scenes were great. I thought... They literally used more pyro than any film I've ever seen in my life. There's a scene where I think he blows up a mountain, quite literally, (laughs) with petrol barrels. Uh, The gunshots, like I say, gave me tinnitus. I think there was one action scene in particular in a car, which I really brushed up against because I just couldn't make out what the hell was going on. Like, night scenes always a bitch to shoot anyway, but on top of that, it was in a car, zoomed in at pace. Like, it was basically... It might as well have just been... Like, they might as well just put a camera in a bag and swung it around for half hour because you just couldn't make out what the fuck was going on anyway. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm happy that this film exists. I'm happy that we have more Mike Bannon. I don't know if we should get any more, but it rounds off the trilogy. Um, I'm feeling three out of five, but as mentioned, I need to hand in my, my gun and badge on this one because I've got too much of a love for the man. So where do you think it sits? Uh, I'm, a firm, I'm a firm two. I think the uh, father 
kind of brought it round a little bit. His kind of few comic relief moments. He was kind of an interesting character, uh, although it made no sense how he became part of the movie. But um, Nick Noel yeah. really did try to act the shit out of this film, didn't he? Like he he wasn't just there just to fucking fold it in. Like he there were scenes where he had to proper bring his emotional A game, and you were thinking if you just took that scene and just showed it to someone and said it was some independent theatre release you know limited theatre release movie you'll be like oh that's that's Oscar bait in there like that is there's something beautiful there's one form, part of the performance in particular where he, he wells up and he he realises his bloody family don't and um, yeah I was just like man he ain't phoning this in no like he ain't bring he's, he only brings his A game <laughs> Yeah, I think he brought it up a little bit. I'm I'm going with a I'm going with a two, Flinty. All right, okay. I I I think it's a five star masterpiece, but obviously <laughs> I need to have that stricken from the record. So we will settle on two. Angel has fallen. Uh, I still say go see it if you if you like the has fallen films and you like Gerard Butler movies, you know exactly what you are getting. If you do not like those things, do not see this film. Stay away from it. You look at there's a reason why the critic score is so fucking low and why the audience score is so high because the audience <laughs> went in knowing exactly what they wanted critics they seem to just want to beat him up for no reason uh, but long live Mike and uh, hopefully we'll see him again soon you can't hide from us Batting don't worry about finding me I'll find you listen to me we're going to make a move now people are going to fall but not you up next, we have an interview with Jackie Malton. She is the host and inspiration for The Prime Suspect. She has a new TV show coming out on the 2nd of September called The Real Prime Suspect. This is one of many interviews that we have lined up over the next few weeks with really amazing, interesting people that work in front and behind the camera on TV and film. This is one of our first big interviews. We are invited to an amazing hotel. I got to sit down with Jackie and talk at length about the TV show, how it was concocted, what it was like hosting this and the transition from a police officer to being in front of our TV screens. She is an amazing person. We really went into some details, obviously spoiler-free, about the show. If you like true crime, then this is your crack. Anyway, enjoy. We are delighted to be welcoming on Talk Filming to Me in our TV segment, Jackie Malton, uh, the inspiration for The Prime Suspect, but more importantly, you are the host, the lead. How do you describe your position in your new TV show? I'm not too sure to be perfectly honest <laughs> how I would describe it. I'm just very privileged to do it. So it's an ex-detective basically going around talking to ex-detectives so and other experts that are involved in all the murders that we're looking at. So we're looking at ten murders that have all been... Uh, detected the people are in prison or dead but they've all been detected and we're revisiting them looking at the police asking the police how they got to the prime suspect so it's called the real prime suspect and then talking to all the experts who were part of you know the process that's amazing how did this come about like when did how did the, this idea come about and how did you get on board in the project Okay, so I've done a programme for Monster Films called Dark Sun, and that was with Professor David Wilson, a criminologist, and I was invited to go on this programme with him to look at the unsolved, what they called the Hammersmith nude murders, where there were six prostitutes that were murdered in the 60s and found dead all around the Hammersmith area near the river. So I did that, and unbeknownst to me... <laughs> Uh, Rick Hall and David Howard, the producer and director, sent off a little clip to CBS. I didn't know that they'd done that. and said, oh, we've got this idea about the real prime suspect, what do you think? And then I got called to CBS and they said, you know, do you want to do this programme? And I said, I'm far too old to do this, far too old, you know, <laughs> been at the job a long time and, you know... Um, in, in well into my 60s near, near my 7th decade and I said oh no I'm just too old and they said no we'd really like you to give it a go so I thought well you know what I'm going to give it a go <laughs> Amazing so you mentioned it covers across 10 different crimes uh, spanning over a number of years obviously you've worked in this industry for a long time as well right and in terms of the finding a difference between the fact and the narrative and giving that in a way which which makes it interesting how is that as a challenge to to be hosting that 
Um, well, because the narrative is always the gift, of course. The narrative is the, the, the kind of gift of any kind of fiction and absolutely non-fiction. When I was a cop, I used to witness things or see things. You'd think, oh, my God, that would mm. make a good story. Or you'd never kind of believe it. So what happens is in this program that we look at the complexities and the challenges that detectives have. So also you've got to remember that it's, some of them were pre-DNA, yeah. pre-technology, pre-the world that we live in today of technology which is amazing. The police didn't have that in lots of the investigations that we've done. Mm. In some of them, it was interesting where the DNA had been preserved in murder cases. There's one in the Joseph Kappen case, serial killer from South Wales. He killed uh, three young women and they preserved the DNA. What happened was that because DNA evolved and technology evolved, and because it had been preserved in such a way that they were able to extract from that DNA valuable information that realised in the man's Joseph Kappen, who by then was dead, mm. he had to be exhumed, and on amazing things like familial DNA. So it's a fantastic programme because each episode of murder, of course, is different, but the uh, it's the infrastructure within each murder is different, completely different, because yeah. some did have DNA, some were pre-DNA, some were about complexities of three different police forces investigating murders and how they talk to each other. So you've got a great example in the Duffy Mulcahy case, where which was known as a railway rapist, where police officers did speak to each other, or police forces rather, did speak to each other and communicate hmm. compared to the case of the Black Panther where police yeah. forces didn't speak to each other. So that's why it's, I think the narrative of each one is peculiar and unique and as I said about the technology and the police response and the investigation, it's all completely different across the board so that's what makes it a fascinating series in my mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, what a time for these sort of shows, right? In terms of, like, we're talking about this off mic, but if you look at the most downloaded podcasts around mm. the world, it's always true crime. Uh, when you're around the office and the water cooler conversation happens, we're always talking about whatever true crime thing we're watching. And it's kind of weird to describe this, right? Because the amount of times we'll be, I'll be speaking to someone or we'll be talking about it on the podcast about, oh, I'm watching this this true crime thing at the moment and it's really in depth about these horrible crimes yeah it's amazing to watch isn't it like why do you think it we are so fascinated by these shows and why is it such a rise at the moment well from the days of the cavemen who wrote stories you know on the walls of the cave we live in a world which is full of storytelling hmm. just got to pick up the daily paper listen to the radio it's all about story that's number one. We're fascinated by stories. Number two, we live in a world, normal people going to work. I've been out of the job a long time now. I have never come across in my daily living, you know, crimes or obviously murder. It's not part of my everyday life. And for most people, it's not part of their life to go to work, you know, law-abiding people. And the dark side of life is not part of their life. So we're quite interested, I can only speak for myself, but I'm interested in about what makes people think, the psychology of people, why do people, you know, do the things that they've done. We've just heard on the news yesterday, a boy's thrown from the tape modern to the floor by somebody who mm, yeah. seems disconnected from that boy. Why? Mm. Why? And the first thing you hear about the news yesterday, why would somebody want to do that? Why would somebody want to go on mass shootings in America, two mass shootings within 24 hours? Why would somebody want to go and kill innocent people? The same with these killers. Why do people do? And I think it is the narrative trying to understand the interest because, you know, we want to know. And why do people stop at road accidents or slow their car down on a motorway to look at some tragedy on the other side? It's part of the human psyche. And the reason is, I think, because we're made up of both two things. We're made up of light and we're made up of dark. We have a shadow side to ourselves and I think we're fascinated by the shadow side of other people. So you mentioned that obviously a lot of your career has fed into obviously how you've approached uh, the hosting side of things, for the entertainment pieces. Is there any times when you've had flashbacks to when you were working or did any of these crimes impact 
uh, when you were working at the time? Do, does, does it kind of take you back to when you were working on these cases or around these cases? Yeah, the, doing those 10 murders was a constant kind of flashback. Not because I was personally involved as a detective because they're all around the country and I wasn't. But the point is they were all part of my career or the decades that I was in the police. And when I say that, what I mean is I remember the Black Panther case. Hmm. I remember the railway rapists. I was so fascinated by the railway rapists that I went as a member of the public and queued in the public gallery to listen to right. Duffy give evidence because I was fascinated by why a man would be in, t in custody for 10 years and then suddenly start to incriminate his co-accused who mm. was finally found guilty too. So uh, why would somebody do that after a 10 year process and what was that process about? Um, and so each and every one of the cases I have had some interest in them um, when I was a kind of serving police officer. So when I say flashback, because it is a detective talking to another detective, it's the privilege of actually slightly getting under the skin a little bit. And what mm. I mean about that is that some of those detectives taken back to the scene many years later. And when, when you talk to detectives and say, okay, does, does it impact you? And they go, oh, well, I put my professional hat on, which they do, of course. Yeah. Um, but when you take them back, what's fascinating is, because they're all retired, that professional hat, mask, if you like, it's kind of gone. You see and the people. Then you see the people. Mm. And then what follows is their emotion. Because ah. you could see and witness them feeling it and the impact. And without exception in any of these murders, every one person, everyone, without exception, I think, mm. has been impacted by the cases that they've worked on. Mm. Amazing. You touched upon it at the start about how sometimes you have to look through these cases through the prism of bear in mind technology restraints and and the time and things like that as well you mentioned you also went and to a lot of these places again are you allowed to disclose the locations you went to or, is, or do we need to find out in the show oh no no i can tell you the locations can't i yeah so we I, i've been to boston in america i've been up to scotland and i've been up to all sorts of places within you know England, if you like, and to Wales, so the whole of the UK, let's say, and America. So, and it's just been on the road, you know, travelling. <laughs> and I think some of the kind of the difficulties has been on one particular one where we had two complicated cases. One was the Robert Napper case, who killed um, a, a, a young girl called Samantha Bissett and her four-year-old daughter, and also responsible for Rachel Nicole. And one of the other things that was fascinating about it is that when you mention Rachel Nickel case, everybody mm. goes, oh yes, that was the guy that got away with it, wasn't it? And they're thinking of the name of Colin Stagg. Colin Stagg was arrested for the murder of Rachel Nickel and he was completely innocent. And I interviewed him. Right. And here was a man that had so much humility. He had no kind of bitterness, if you like, about the police. But the things, the impact of what happened to him should never be forgotten, in, in my opinion. Here was a man, because uh, Robert Napper, it took 17 years from the first conviction of Samantha Bissett and her daughter mm. for him to be convicted of the case of Rachel Nickel in Wimbledon Common. Now, everybody remembers, quite rightly, Rachel Nickel. Very few people remember Samantha Bissett who was murdered in her own home with a four-year-old daughter. Very few people will ever know of the name Robert Napper, but they all know the name Colin Stagg. Mm. Now, 17 years. So for 17 years, people were pointing the finger at Colin Stagg, saying, that's him, that's him, that's him. And for 17 years, he couldn't get a job. He couldn't get wow. a job because of his name. Mm. And when I said to him, why don't you change it? He said, why should I? And I'm absolutely right. Why should he? Because he was totally innocent. But here was a man who remained, you know, without any form of bitterness or anything like that. Not anti, said the police were doing their job. He was just, it was just a privilege to interview mm. him with his response. But it's how... The names that we kind of always remember, people are going to remember the Black Panther, but they're going to remember Colin Stagg for the wrong reason. Mm. 
I mean, it's amazing that there's opportunities for these sort of mediums to be able to tell the story from a, like, say, tell, tell what happened, but at the same time find that the people behind that. Is there any other examples you can tell us about when you've had to maybe deal with a delicate situation for this show or a particular reputation of a person which the public zeitgeist might be this person's either guilty or falsely convicted or however we see it but sorry well, example you talk I about. think the thing is is that the premise of the show or any form of investigation is to search for the truth that's the search for the truth and so and and, and that's the kind of most important thing the second thing is that one of the you know agreements with Monster Films, and it comes from them as well, that this was a program about integrity and authenticity. And so there was nothing salacious about murder, or we haven't sensationalized it, because I have spoken to the top experts within their field who were involved in these cases. So you couldn't get better professional experts hmm. than the ones that kind of we've got. And so um, I didn't have to kind of tread any delicate, you know, path, if you like. The only one that I wanted to tread for me was one of respect mm. for the victims and for the victims' families. It's not about the offenders, this programme, hardly. I mean, we do talk about the offenders, of course, mm. but it's basically about the police investigation, the impact it had on them and the impact you know that it has on families and sometimes we don't think about the impact that it had on pathologists mm. or pediatricians and how their career has been affected by one particular case for example so you were talking about the amount of uh, i suppose I don't want to call it cold case, but diving in on those those older cases, there must have been so much research going into this. But I imagine a team of people were supporting and providing research with that. How was that that experience of getting under the skin of some of this stuff? Well, definitely, Monster Films gave me some of the research. But the point about it is, is being an ex-detective talking to other detectives. So I do Very my true. own research. Mm. I do my own research, and that was the uh, what was each case would take probably two days research mm. uh, to investigate it thoroughly because the point about I think the whole thing is if I was just a you know kind of um, asking questions and then I could say oh what happened next and what, where did you go from there it's of no value because any Tom Dick and Harry can do that yeah. but the point about it is it's understanding the case and the complexities of the case and talking you know to different people mm. like I say that railway rapists involved three you know police forces and then when uh, Duffy before Mulcahy was charged it was almost kind of they had to reinvestigate it they decided to reinvestigate it from scratch with a new mm. team to try to disprove what Duffy had said wow so the investigative strategy was absolutely fascinating so I had to kind of look at that as well so each and every one of those cases because it's for a, a, a um, CBS reality and because it's all about crime. They were picked, you know, by Monster P Films for a reason. And the reason mm. is, is because they had complexities, challenges, and it had, and they all had depth. Absolutely amazing. Um, we're talking about it off mic, uh, and I, amount of times I've literally just been, oh yeah, I'm not doing an interview, I'm just listening to someone amazing talking about some pretty cool stuff. Uh, there's gonna be a podcast as well accompanying the show. Um, are you looking forward to doing this? So, I've uh, done the podcast. Oh, you've done it? Yeah, I've oh, done amazing. three podcasts and there'll be a fourth in Edinburgh when the show um, is launched at the TV festival in Edinburgh mm. in a couple of weeks' time. But basically I did one on the Flying Squad because I was uh, on the Flying Squad so that speaking to uh, a colleague and the first female woman commander um, of the Flying Squad so she participated to that oh, and that amazing. was fantastic. So it was my experience. I spoke to Sue Hill who ran Homicide Team, she was a detective chief superintendent, highly experienced detective in relation to murder, so I spoke to her about homicide. And the third one was about mental well-being of mm. police officers and mental health, and I spoke to an amazing guy called John Sutherland, who is a detective chief, sorry, John Sutherland, who is a chief superintendent, now retired on ill health because he had a breakdown. And he was one of the first officers to speak openly and go public and write a book about, mm. about the stress and the impact of, the, of what it was like for him to be a police officer and, and why he kind of had his 
nervous breakdown. So, and what happens is when a guy like him goes around talking about that, it encourages other people to come forward and talk about their own experiences, as indeed I've found out about some of the people's experiences on, on this show. So, um, and we spoke about with a charity called Police Care, which is about police care, looking after police officers, both serving and retired, have either su- suffered physically or mentally mm. through, the, through the job. So it's those kind of subject matters that we've been talking about. So hopefully they'll be of interest to people because it's just like one-to-one chats, you know, no agenda, mm. no interview, just a chat about subjects which, you know, are dear to my heart. Oh, amazing. Well, I, for one, absolutely cannot wait for the show to come out. When can we When can we see this in the UK? I believe it's the... 3rd of September. 3rd of September. 3rd of September at 10pm CBS Reality. Absolutely amazing. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure, Jackie. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Adam. Really nice to meet you. Thank you. Up next is our review of Crawl. It is a horror film based around an alligator or crocodile. To be honest, I couldn't quite tell because those things scared the shit out of me. Scared me so much that instead of sending me, we sent Zoe, Zoe Berber Shotgun, to review this one. You can check her out on her new YouTube channel, which is called The Unrated Cut. They talk about everything from extreme horror to, to the latest cinematic endeavours that are coming out on the subject and everything in between. I highly recommend it. But more importantly, I like her review as well, so enjoy. The state of Florida has issued a Category 5 hurricane warning. All residents must evacuate immediately. Grab your families, your loved ones, and get out. Dad! We won't be able to come for you. Dad! Crawl has been one of the most anticipated monster movies of 2019 and it doesn't really come as any surprise. From the very first trailer, it looked as if Crawl was going to give us this amazing extreme kind of movie that had a lot of gore, that had a lot of alligators, as you would expect, and kind of shook up the monster genre a little bit, um, which we haven't had in quite some time. But after seeing Cruel at this year's Fright Fest, it seems that perhaps it's a little bit overhyped and not quite worth the amount of screams that people are giving it. So this is an alligator movie um, and it comes from director Alexandra Adger who's known for his for me anyway mostly for his French extreme cinema piece High Tension he's also known for Mirrors Piranha 3D Horns and also The Hills Have Eyes remake so a lot of his back records kind of They are quite extreme and very gory, uh, which is why I expected Cruel to have a lot of these elements in it as well. It's starring Kea Scalorado, uh, who's from Maze Runner, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. And she's more commonly known in the UK um, from people of my generation from the TV series Skins, where she plays um, the main character's younger sister. So Cruel is, as I've said, is an alligator movie uh, and it starts with a hurricane that's sweeping through um, part of the US, uh, of course, because that's where they have most of the hurricanes. And Kaya's character, Haley goes to check on her dad uh, because she's not heard from him and she also wants to see how he's doing in the storm. And of course, his house is flooded. He's trapped in the basement after hurting himself. She then goes down to rescue him. And of course, she also gets trapped in the basement. And the reason they are trapped in the basement is, oh no, it's not because of the hurricane is because there are two massive fuck off alligators trying to eat them uh, which is just exactly what you need when there's a hurricane raging outside so cruel starts and it does have a lot of thrills It has a lot of gore from the very get-go. There's some amazing scenes that really make you jump out of your your seat, um, as you would if you see an alligator's mouth closing in on someone's arm very quickly and rapidly. But the problem with Cruel is that there's a lot of stupid decisions made throughout the entire film from all of the characters, and it's really, really frustrating 
I think that was the worst part of it for me is that I can't get on board with the characters and the decisions they make. And another thing is that Kaya's character, she is an Olympic swimmer, which is great for her and is great in the movie because obviously it means she can swim and compete against an alligator. But in reality, most people are not Olympic swimmers and therefore none of us would ever, ever be able to swim up against an alligator and potentially beat them. So it kind of takes away any realism that could have could have ever been in the film at all. Um, and it's the problem with it as well is it's just another monster movie. Not much can happen. And of course, I don't expect there to be this amazing twist at the end, you know, perhaps where the alligator's long lost long lost auntie turns up. But it is it's what it says on the tin. It's an alligator movie and it goes in every direction that you would expect it to go in. However, it does keep you entertained and it is a thrill ride and it's fun for the whole family in some ways. It never oversteps the boundaries and ever gets too gory. It's not it's not worse than, say, Jaws, for instance. I would say it's not as scary as Jaws and it also isn't worth the hype that it's had. But, you know, I can see why a lot of people are enjoying this film. I just think for me, I'm kind of over the tiresome of just another monster movie. And yeah, so I guess if you want to have a bit of fun, if you want something... I say lighthearted, but if you want something lighthearted to watch and enjoy, then Cruel is definitely a film for you. But if you like your horror with a purpose and a little bit more meaning, I would say perhaps don't bother with Cruel. And my other bugbear, my final bugbear with it is why do all big budget monster movies have to have a happy ending? I think once you watch it, you'll understand exactly what I mean. Perhaps if the ending was different, I might have given it a bit of a better rating. But on that note, I would give Cruel a two and a half alligator teeth out of five. I'm not leaving you here! News. A bunch of fucking trailers have dropped over the last week. Let's talk about Terminator Dark Fate. Um, this is the return of some of the original cast from Terminator 2. We've got Arnie reprising his role as well. Uh, this is quite exciting. Jim Cameron is coming back. He's in producing credits only, though, because he's got his other endeavours going on. John, we've talked about these trailers quite a bit. I think this is the final one. Are you on the excite-o side of the excitement meter or couldn't get a, give a shit? Where are you on this? Oh, a little more, because like we said with the last one, it was very vague, as the original trailers are meant to be, aren't they? And I was sort of thought, oh, look, Arnie's in it for two seconds in the trailer, and that's how long he's going to be in the film. But it's actually, this trailer reveals a slightly more, a deeper uh, role that Arnie plays, so that's always good. Um, do you feel like they kind of give too much away in this trailer? I feel like I've watched half the movie now. Uh, that being said, I'm definitely more sold on it. I think I think this could be really good, and there's loads of re- cross references to obviously the original plots and moving this story forward. I f- you know, everyone loves a robot apocalypse movie. Let's see how it, see how it goes. What do you reckon? Uh, I'm tired of these films, man. Like seriously, um, stop doing these films. Stop trying the soft reboot or try and carve in a new franchise or look how many things. Have we can reversed happen? roles, Flinty? I feel like <laughs> I think maybe I'm so, usually... maybe so. No, it's just like Genesis was so bad and I kind of I've had enough and unless you're gonna bring something to the table which isn't just nostalgia, then stop. Because it just feels like you're just trying to cash in on the final chip of oh we've got Sarah Connor, the Sarah Connor you remember back. Uh, we're going to gender swap a few little bits so that'll that'll keep some people happy and it'll outrage some others but look the bottom line is it doesn't matter what the people that make the film do it doesn't matter about the cast it's the story you have a good story ultimately you'll have a good film regardless of anything else and I just like what's happened now are they delayed judgment day to next week or something and then all of a sudden 
another Terminator's turn up, another Terminator type that you've never heard of before, even though we've been in the future several times and no one's made reference to it, and somehow John Connor's good, John Connor's bad, John Connor's dead, John Connor's a different person. Who cares anymore? And, uh, yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a rant there, but I'm... I, I still haven't seen anything to make me think, ah, oh, this is worthy of uh, revisiting that well because we've, we've emptied the well. We've been there. The machines have rose. The machines have, have been uh, given a salvation. <laughs> the machines have proven Genesis. It's just we've, we've had so many. And I feel that the first film is absolutely incredible. The second film has completely ch- taken the whole genre and flipped it on its head to a point where the whole action genre was rewrote because of Jim Cameron with Terminator 2 you gotta applaud that but I'm it, it hasn't progressed and it's just more and more of the same yeah but it keeps him out of the Avatar camp for a little bit right so why well, they're gonna come out aren't they <laughs> billion sequels and uh, I mean don't get me wrong Battle Angel uh, really did have a reason to exist they really did propel forward um, technology in terms of what we're seeing on screen and representation of of different characters in that way. I thought, you know, fair play to you. I didn't like it, but fair play to you. And Avatar, you presume, is going to bring something which it, you've never seen before. I don't think we're getting out of this. And how many times can we say, oh, well, another T-1000 came back, and turns out this one's aged slightly differently as well, so it looks just like how Arnold Schwarzenegger looks now. It's just... I'm a real, I'm a real Debbie Downer on this one. Um, I've just, I'm just, I've just had enough. But I'm definitely the wrong person to be reviewing this one. So we'll send someone else to that. But yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Fair enough, Flinty. Did you even smile anyway, when she said, "I'll be back"? No, because that was a throwaway <laughs> line in the first film, and it had impact then, and it kind of had impact the next time he said it. But then everyone says it now, and it's got to a point where it means nothing. Uh, again, Debbie Downer. Let, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna switch the attitude on this and just be like, you know what? There could be some awesome stuff in this. Um, hey, we've got the original cast in. There's, that's gonna be nice to see them. And yeah, there looks like a scene on a bridge. Yes, they've done that several times before, but hey, you know what? It's got different people, and that's what matters. Anyway, speaking about different people, before I I alienate even more of our audience, um, there's a really interesting film in development at the moment. Vince Vaughn is starring in this film, along with Caitlin Newtland, and basically this film is going to be a body-swap horror movie. The the premise of this is that Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer, because why not? He plays serial killers so fucking good. And some bizarre twist of fate happens where he swaps bodies with with Catherine's car- uh, character and she has 24 hours to to fix this otherwise she is in the body of a serial killer for the rest of her life and turns out she has an urge to kill people as well this just sounds like it's plucked out of the 80s to be honest and i i am i for one cannot wait yeah like we've spoke about body swap movies before miniaturization movies as well there's basically there's i know you're, you're banging that drum john <laughs> i'm banging the drum you'll, you'll bring them back bring back them and bring back original ideas not remakes make them stupid make them outrageous i like you said it's kind of 80s feeling when when the real fresh weird ideas were went into the mainstream i i hope this is interesting so hmm. you can't have too many body swap movies even the bad ones are kind of interesting and funny so john's just sitting at home watching freaky friday waiting for the day for this <laughs> this uh, this horror body swap movie to, to come out but um, speaking of another trailer that dropped recently um the joker i mean where to, where to begin this is a film which on paper and i will eat humble pie because when this first started coming as a kernels of an idea and was being released into the media and stuff like that me and John at several times have talked about how we didn't want this film to exist we don't need a Joker origin story he's an agent of chaos you don't need to know how the hurricane was formed you just want to see the hurricane attack sort of thing and then we heard that they got the guy from the Hangover films to direct this come on man like this isn't anything I want to see Oh, what Scorsese was producing it? Oh, okay. Joaquin Phoenix is starring? Oh, okay. And it's got supporting cast like Desi Beats and and it's going to be completely separate from the universe and they're going to take their own take on this and go R-rated? Man, they they had our attention from our curiosity. Now they've got our soul from this trailer. John, just how good was this trailer? I'm, I'm so pumped for this now. Like you said, the sort of it's been rising, hasn't it? A bit of scepticism at first. But you know what? Joaquin Phoenix... 
I can't think of many movies that aren't brilliant that he's in. Um, and he's he's like a mark of quality for me, like Brad Pitt used to be uh, and sort of still is. But I think Joaquin Phoenix, you can trust that he's going to pick interesting roles. And this trailer is fantastic. It's got so many uh, cross-references to comics and other films. And I think the Joker is just an intrinsically... in He's just such an intriguing character. Um, and this, I've, I'm dead pumped for this now. Absolutely. Dare I say it, is this Oscar worthy? Oh, what, from the trailer? I think <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is... Every, nearly every film I see him in, I think possibly you should at least be nominated for an Oscar for that. Because I, I, I'm a complete fanboy. He's one of my, if not my favourite actors. So um, I'm very biased, but I could definitely see him putting in an, an absolutely stonking performance and maybe getting consideration. Very high, yeah, I, hyperbolic, but there you go. I hope he does. I think he, I mean, looking at how he has gone for this, apparently he's gone full method on this. And a lot of people, you know, always say, and I'm sure there's a documentary in the works or at least books on the subject of how many people went a bit bit crazy after taking up this role. Obviously, the obvious examples of Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson needed quite a bit of counselling after his portrayal of it as well. Um, but this looks so good. I, I can't find any other way of describing it other than just, oh my God. Everything from the use of music to the, the build-up of the tension about how it's not just the... Yeah, you know, I, I saw someone post something on Twitter the other day, which was creating the Joker in the eighties compared to creating the Joker into twenty nineteen. Nineteen eighty nine, chuck him in a vat of acid. In twenty nineteen, just let him out into society. And it is there's such a symbolic reference there of how corrosive society really can be. I know this film is set in the eighties. You know, don't come at me. I'm just thinking about the whole the premise of this character creation. And the interviews that I'm reading and hearing from Joaquin Phoenix has been very much a this. I want to do a role portrayal which you root for while you're disgusted by your you detest the things he does, but you just want to see more of it. And that's exactly the way to describe this trailer. There's just mm. little flickers. There's one little flicker in particular of him on the stairs. He's just in some like some back alley stairs and he's doing a dance down these stairs and there's something so creepy and disturbing but yet beautiful and elegant about it and yeah. there's one it's only like a blink and you miss it moment where he is literally beating the shit out of someone he is stamping on them and you can see the ferocity in him and it's 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 howling it's scary and it's only just a second it goes back to him on stage doing a very elegant pose where he's about to be introduced and the, I mean we haven't even talked about the fucking other cast members in this De Niro, De Niro. is in this as well yes like, oh and my god he's I don't know if you've ever seen King of Comedy but De Niro sort of plays a failed stand-up comedian uh, that goes on sort of late night host shows and he's sort of now playing the host which is an interesting yeah, little reference circle. point yeah uh, but he looks absolutely perfect for whatever role he's he's in it for, uh, and mm. I mean, what a cast! Yeah, I mean, you're right to so the king of comedy thing in there as well. I think there is an element of Taxi Driver as oh, well. Yeah. Um, if anyone knows their Batman comics, I think they're taking inspiration from the origin stories in a Killing Joke, but I don't think they're retelling it. I think they're basically going down the premise of um, failed comedian loses it for lack of a better phrase and uh, yeah there looks to be some more really intricate personal details about his life which they're starting to bring in something to do with his mother they're, they're talking about a lot in this as well I don't want to go into too many story beats from what I'm reading about just because I want to go in cold and I want to just I want to experience this and I think it's been a long time before we've really experienced a film and a real character piece uh, set in a superhero environment but you know what there's no capes in this there's no special effects uh, other than the obvious um, you know, de-aging of the city to make it look like it's the 80s sort of thing. But a lot of this is just character. This is where the drama lies. And you know, who better than Joaquin Phoenix? So I honestly, I'm this is this probably outside of Endgame will be my film of the year. I feel like that's so it's, it's got to be there, right? Although us is very, very close. We've just put, I, I don't know, I'm, we're at risk of hyping this up too much now Flinty and being disappointed hell I've done that before so uh, I'm I'm going to try <laughs> I remember and remember when Dama Dama 2 came out John. 
I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try and use that men in black pen and just forget everything I've seen and go in cold and with low, no expectations and and yeah I'm quietly very confident but yeah looking forward to it nice anyway let's talk about more uh, Batman world stuff so Christopher Nolan obviously a director of the Dark Knight trilogy it's fair to say that he's done a few other things as well uh, he's got a new film in the pipeline at the moment Tenet it's about uh, espionage it's a spy thriller set in a Christopher Nolan world so you know timey whiny stuff's going to happen I saw a video from the set of Tenet of how they're, they're, they're filming stuff at the moment and it's he's so fascinating with his film style and this video, I'll, I'll share it on the Twitter account later. He show, it shows a city landscape, right? And this is someone on their phone doing this. And in this city landscape shot they're filming, he's obviously playing around with time, specifically. So all the cars are driving in reverse at different speeds, but very different slow speeds. And people are walking along the high street forwards but very slowly like they're doing a moon man impression and you know he's he's going to be doing something so fucked up with the frame rate that it's going to look incredible and uh, i can't wait for this film to come out the cast is growing exponentially all the time robert pattinson's involved david washington just to name but a few but the most recent name to join this john is uh, your boy from yesterday hamish patel uh, what do you make of this i have not seen um I've not seen much about this, but I'm definitely pumped with any Nolan film, and and I love it when he fucks with time. It's sort of Inception style, I guess. Mm. Uh, Dunkirk is obviously one of my favourite Nolan movies. We sort of had less to play with there, but yeah, I'm, I, I hope he kind of goes full Nolan on this one. And Himesh Patel, great job yesterday. Be interesting to see him in slightly more serious, maybe more serious movie like this um so yeah definitely looking forward to this one nice i'm yeah i, I haven't seen enough of the guy you know I, I haven't seen yesterday myself um i know a lot of people haven't really enjoyed that film and um, so yeah i don't think he's gonna have a massive role i think if he was gonna have a massive role he would have been cast way earlier i feel like this is probably some extra scenes have been filmed or maybe a new role needed to be recast for whatever reason and uh you know obviously he's his stock is quite high at the moment really looking forward to this it's it's operating in the world of spies uh, Tenet spells the same backwards I don't know why I'm reading into that but there's probably something to do with that as well because with Christopher Nolan nothing is by accident whether you think about Inception of how like the intricate details that go into that movie I I still stand Interstellar is probably his best film and a lot of people hate me for that but I, I love that movie so much there's so much to love about that and uh, a lot of people say it's a bit preachy as well but um, yeah he he is such a he is our modern great and he has got such a body of work which is already masterpieces in my opinion and yeah he may, the best is maybe yet to come from him still so that's really exciting so yeah not much more details other than that I'm sure we'll be getting a trailer soon um, but yeah let's just uh, hold out so just to wrap up the news it was D23 last week I'm not going to go into specifics over the Disney Plus stuff other than John did you know that Disney Plus might not be coming out this year or even in 2020 for the UK what I didn't know that I've yeah, they been seeing so were, much about it they can't yeah. tease us like that well, they were questioned about it during D23, and it started out with the, uh, we're aiming for Q4 uh, of this year or 2020, but there's some licensing things going on, which means it might be even later than that. They've not, they will not commit to a UK date, which in a world of piracy and everything else in between of that, do they honestly expect that people of the UK to go, oh, okay, so um, we're going to wait two years and legitimately buy Disney Plus to watch the Star Wars TV show or these Marvel shows they're making. <laughs> of course fucking not. We'll fucking VPN it, bitch. We'll figure yeah. it out. Like, like you can either take my money legitimately and it is on the table for you right now or I'll find another fucking way. Don't you yeah. worry. So they really need to pull their act together. Anyway, um, they announced a bunch Brexit. of stuff in terms... Oh, I'm like, wouldn't it be so funny if like Mickey Mouse somehow does some video of oh 
we would have caught him, but but your relationship with you caused some licensing agreements. Oh, and uh, and then Nigel Farage is like, actually, this is a bad idea, guys. Like, I was all for it because you know I'm Nigel Farage and I'm full of hate, but I really need to have uh, Lady in the Tramp remade <laughs> right now. No, Farage will just propose Brexit plus, and you know have all our <laughs> favourite seventies, you know, carry on movies on. I think. <laughs> Free to stream <laughs> becomes the face of Brexit Plus. He'll be a late it's night like host. He'll be our Trevor Noah. Oh. oh my god, that's that's a world I do not want to. I do not want my <laughs> eyes to see, nor my children to live in. Um, <laughs> but anyway, well, fictional apocalyptic TV streaming services aside, um, Star Wars dropped a new trailer, or let's call it a featurette for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, it's kind of stuff we've all seen and all knew, apart from one detail at the end, which is Rey herself holds up a dual lightsaber, and it's red. Ooh, does that mean she's gone to the dark side? Does that mean she's a clone? Does that mean... And the internet does what the internet does, and has come up with a million and one theories, and maybe in a couple of weeks' time we'll do a, we'll do a feature where we've gone through each of these theories and talk about our favourite ones, and... Get involved, you know. Tell us them on Twitter, and we'll we'll go through them with a fine tooth comb. Uh, Jamie is actually an absolute Star Wars nut; he knows all of the canon, so it'll be interesting to pick his brains on that sort of stuff. Um, but you know what? I say fair play to Disney because after the Last Jedi, I think a lot of people were on a downer about the Star Wars franchise in general. Narratively, they were left in kind of a shit place, even though a lot of people would counter argue that with. JJ has always been involved in these films and the direction the story has gone is exactly what he wanted for that uh, for the build up to the third movie so you know we'll never know the truth the truth is when we get that third film that is when we judge it and these trailers have built up enough goodwill where I think the belly aching from The Last Jedi has subsided enough for people to get excited about this so so, so bring it on and uh, you know let it be the hurrah we need to finish off this trilogy John, are you are you happy for episode nine, or you couldn't be bothered? Um, I, I'm a bit I'm a bit nonplussed about it now after being slightly disappointed by the reboots um, or the you know the last the last two. So yeah, I'll watch it. Of course I will. Of course I will. Flinty, they've, they've you've got, got to money, see episode man. nine. They've got our money, but maybe they can look forward to an average review which i know will sink the whole thing so <laughs> i'm gonna do the re- how about this you review terminator dark fate and i'll review episode nine then maybe there's a chance they get positive reviews <laughs> anyway so that's your news for this week Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've liked this, and maybe, just maybe, you're willing to go a little further, then can you click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filming to me. John, my boy, thanks again. How can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Descomento. And you can follow this Twitter account, at Talk Filming to me. Next week, we'll be back with reviews, another interview, and a few games to boot as well. Till next time, stay filmy. Bye-bye. We're down in the basement We'll lock the cellar door And baby Talk filmy to me